<clears throat> well, at New Zealand Beyond, a number of years ago, when we used to still have the um, conference here, some of you remember that a pigeon got stuck in the, um, just like our clocks got stuck right there. All right. So some of you remember uh, that a pigeon got stuck in the foyer. And so we had to try and get it out of there. But it would settle on this high ledge. If you're going out there, you can see it there. And we couldn't dislodge it, or the team couldn't dislodge it. And uh, they called Bird Rescue, who said, get it flying around, it'll tire and soon come down. So every time they tried to dislodge it, the bird would fly, it'd get frightened and scared, and it would crash into the window. Eventually, there was blood on the window as it kept injuring itself. Eventually, they fired all these tea towels at the bird and came up, came up, it got off the ledge, flew around, came down, got tired, they caught it, and they released it out into the open world outside the church. The bird was created to fly, but as long as it stayed inside the church, it would never reach its potential or fly as God intended. It operates best outside the church. And like the pigeon, you and I can be stuck inside the four walls of the church. But we're actually created by God to function in the marketplace as full-time ministers of the gospel, bringing change and transformation and hopefully seeing people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And it's only when we get outside the four walls, operate in our God-given gifts and calling, that we begin to fly, reach our potential, and be all that God has called us to be. Stuck inside the church... We're going to keep hitting walls and probably hurting and injuring ourselves. But when we do what we're called to do outside the world, do you know what? We're going to find tremendous fulfillment because we're actually on mission doing what we were born to do. The reason you have breath today is to bring kingdom. And so there's a scripture in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, which says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Would you tell the person next to you, please, you have a holy calling. <laughs> we all have a holy calling in God. How many of you would agree, whether you're watching on TV or wherever you might be, that you have the same Holy Spirit as I have? You have the same Jesus as I have? You have the same resurrection power as I have? No? Yes? So you can minister with the same sort of anointing that I have. The, the anointing and power is not for the pulpit only. It's for the pulpit and the pew. I'm on a mission to get the power to the pew. I'm on a mission to get the anointing to the pew and then from the pew into the marketplace where it is needed the most. R.C. Sproul said the cradle of the church was the marketplace. From the preaching and public ministry of Jesus to the acts of the apostle, the central scene was the marketplace. That's where it happened. It was limited what happened in the synagogue. In fact, that's when they sort of challenged Jesus for doing stuff and got angry with him. And he actually cleansed the temple. The, the focus of the early church was not inside the four walls. It was actually out in the marketplace, which makes perfect sense because that's where the needs are. That's where broken people are. That's where the homeless are, the drug addicts are, the unsaved are, the prostitutes are. The needs are out there in the marketplace. They're the people we have to reach. And so, therefore, the anointing is needed more in the marketplace. In fact, I feel really sorry for you, folk. 
because you actually need more anointing than I do. I've been relatively, I'm in the safety of this church, mostly nice people here, mostly, I think. You know, there's not too many demons. But you guys, <laughs> no, you're out there in the marketplace. You're out where the lions are, the scorpions are. You're out there where people are swearing and cursing and blaspheming God. People are cheating and lying and there's bullying and the criticism and, and all this nasty stuff happening out in the marketplace. Man, do you need anointing to survive out there where the, where the, where the lions are, where the problems exist? Wow. Thank God I got the safety of the church. <laughs> you guys, good luck to you. You need the power of God. Seriously. Do you know the workplace has destroyed many people? Just messed them up completely. Because it's tough out there. It's really, really difficult. But thankfully there is anointing for it. See, leaders are now saying that most ministry will soon be happening on the job outside the four walls of the church. Well, it makes sense. Where should most of the healing happen? Well, it's out there where the needs are. You know, where, where, does, where, where does the problems all exist? They're mostly out there. So those people out in the marketplace, they're not going to come in the church and say, oh, look, I need help with my family. No, no, no. We've got to meet them where they are and help them in the marketplace. And that's why you need the anointing of God upon your life. There is an explosive trend worldwide towards marketplace ministry. Because Christians are now beginning to realize that God can use their careers to bring heaven to earth and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about this for a moment, that you are actually in the marketplace. You are employed by God. Hello? You are employed. No, no, it's not that boss. As long as you're in the will of God, and you're, then you're in the job God's got for you. You've been employed by God as a full-time minister to bring his kingdom into the workplace. Plus, do a jolly good job at the same time. So when you begin to think you're employed by job, you start to, by God, you start to think, man, I better do a good job here. I better pray for this. I better behave myself because, hey, God's, I'm working for God. He's employed me as a full-time minister in the marketplace. That will change everything of how you see it. See, we've been people into the ministry, haven't we? I think it's been a mistake, to be honest. You know, we bring a, some, a new pastor forward, we lay hands on, we say, God, would you anoint them for this, this high calling and God, da, da, da. Friends, we need to do that for everybody. <laughs> you know, we say, oh, you know, people will say, oh, pastor, man, he's got a strong calling. True, but so have you. We've all got a strong calling. We've all got a, 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 a call from God to be what he's called us to be. There's no, I don't think there's great callings and lesser callings. They're all callings that we need to fulfill. You need to fulfill your call as much as I need to fulfill my call. So we, will gonna, we are going to bring you forward, even whether it's your job as a mother or a volunteer or in the community, and the work, wherever it is, we want to anoint you with oil so that you have the mantling of God upon you so you can fully function as a full-time minister. You see, if you don't see work as ministry, you will never walk in the anointing success and blessing God has got for you. You just will not experience it. If all it is is a job to earn money, to get through the week until there's a weekend or a holiday, I can't imagine anything more boring, more discouraging, more depressing, more deflating, where you spend the majority of your time where you don't want to be, just earning money to, to keep the family. 
Friends, that's not God's will for one moment. In your workplace, God's will is that you are absolutely fulfilled and satisfied and seeing tremendous things happen. That is the will of God. You know, it's not only for me. See, I'm, I'm amazingly fulfilled in what I do. Why? Because I'm doing what God created me to do. But I did pretty well as an accountant as well. And I saw God work through me. We need to understand this. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says, Your faith grows exceedingly. Guess where your faith will grow exceedingly? When you see yourself as a full-time minister in the marketplace. That's when it will grow exceedingly. And you'll begin to see amazing things happen in your workplace. And one of the things that will happen is you will excel beyond your ability. Hopefully you'll get promoted, see miracles, maybe a salary increase. Come and get anointed just for that if you don't care about the rest of it. God will use you to advance his kingdom. See, God gives faith according to our calling and ministry. So God gives me faith to run Church Unlimited for the campuses, for New Zealand and beyond, Pakistan and beyond, UK and beyond, for TV, for radio, for you know, building programs. God gives me the faith for it. Why? Because it's what he has called me to do. But God's got faith for you, exceeding great faith, to do what he has called you to do, which is to do a great job at work, but also to bring the kingdom of heaven into your workplace. There's anointing for that. <clears throat> so there's a lady I heard about. She worked in the comp- this company. It was in danger of closing down. It was just not making enough money or profits. So what did she do? Look for a new job? This is going to close down. Better get out? No. No, she called a prayer meeting of people who were Christians, a few of them in the market, but who were Christians. And they began to pray for that business. It was like they laid hands on that business to be healed. Well, sure enough, soon the business turned around, money came in, and this, this business was rescued. She brought the kingdom of heaven into the workplace. And so people then began to ask her, would you pray for us? There was a, a, a manager's daughter that could no longer smell, had lost her ability to smell. So they prayed, and that girl was healed in Jesus' name. Here is marketplace ministry. Friends, you should be seeing miracles in your marketplace because you're anointed and called by God to see that happen and to, to uh, enjoy it as well at the same time. See, the pulpit, which is what I'm doing, must speak strongly to ministry in the marketplace if we're going to reach a lost world. It's the only way we're going to get this job done is when we all begin to fulfill our calling. See, cutting-edge churches, think about this, see their people not just as sheep that need a shepherd, but also see them as shepherds to the lost sheep of the city. We need to shift from just pastoring sheep to equipping them as marketplace ministers who bring transformation in their workplace. So shepherd the sheep that God has placed around you. You see, we're always waiting to have church. Oh, no, let's go to church. No, no, no. You have church wherever God has placed you. You have church in your workplace. So when you go to work tomorrow, you're going to have church, and you are the pastor. You are the the shepherd there, and you are to look after the people that are there. You are to bring kingdom into your church service tomorrow. And you're preaching all the time. How do you preach? By your behavior, by your conduct. You know, shepherd the people God has given you. You say, how am I going to do that? Here's an idea. Why don't you invite one of them out for coffee? And get chatting to them. Find out, have they got any needs? 
They will have needs. Everybody on the planet has got needs. And then just quietly say, oh, look, I'll pray for you. A few weeks, and make sure you pray, maybe fast even. So the next time you ask them, how's your son or daughter doing? They'll say, man, things have turned around. What are you doing? You're bringing the kingdom into the marketplace. You're having church right there. You're the pastor. You're the preacher. You see, those people out in the marketplace, that, that, family, that, that work colleague of yours whose marriage is in trouble, they're not going to come here and ask for help. They don't even know we exist, and they don't know we can help them. But you can help them. You can soon enough find out that the marriage is in trouble and just say, look, I'm going to pray for you guys. And so instead of just trying to evangelize people and get them saved, shepherd them first. <laughs> Love them first. Bring the kingdom into your workplace and whet their appetite for Jesus. Then they'll want to know about Jesus. So every day you're a minister of the gospel and you preach 24-7. You know, some people want to get behind this pulpit and preach. And, you know, I mean, as I keep saying, preaching is way overrated. You know, I only get 40 minutes or 30 minutes to preach. You've got all day to preach. You've got 40 hours of the week to preach the gospel. And my question is, is how's your preaching? They say, preach at all times. If necessary, use words. Preach with your life. Love the people. Bring kingdom in. Be kind. You know, be, go the extra mile. Be gracious. Forgive. You know, show love and kindness and bring the kingdom. Why don't you pray that in your workplace there are no conflicts? Why don't you pray that your workplace, the business is going to prosper? Why don't you pray in your workplace that there's great unity and people are loving one another and there's no backstabbing taking place? And people are going to start wondering, boy, what's happened to this workplace? This is a fantastic place to work. Why, you brought kingdom. See, what's the Lord's prayer? Our Father which art in heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Our job is to bring heaven, what's in heaven, to earth. And we're all anointed to do that. We're empowered by God to do that. You know, most of the lost people that you work with are never going to come inside the church doors. Which means we're going to never reach them unless you do. And you are anointed to do it. You have this power of the Spirit on you to do it. Here's the deal. Let's say this is your workplace. This is your pulpit. If you recognize that you are a full-time minister in the workplace and you stand in that position, the anointing of God will come upon you to function effectively in that way, which also means you'll excel in your job. If you stand here and just say, no, mine's just a job. I don't accept it's a full-time ministry. You will never have the anointing and the power and the grace of God to one do extremely well at your job, but also to bring the kingdom to your job, workplace and also to pe see people come to Christ. When Jesus started the church, he found some fishermen, IRD man, Matthew, tent maker, Paul, Dr. Luke, fabric retail, Lydia, servant girl. Do you know most of them never gave up their jobs? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Called by God to the workplace, Christianity grew rapidly. See, approximately 90% of your time is spent, or 95% of your time, whatever it is, has been outside the church. That's where you do most of your ministry, outside of the church. That's where you flow in the gifts. That's where you flow in the power of God. That's where you love people and kind. Hey, do that inside the church as well. But hey, it's actually the greater need is out there. Lost people who don't know Jesus. If we can get this right, this is New Zealand and beyond. 
The percentage of Christians in our nations will rapidly increase. It just will. And you can do it. We will get the job done. Tonight we will anoint with oil so that that anointing is going to increase upon your life. And you're going to go into an incredible adventure with God. I'm on an incredible adventure with God, with all the things God's doing. But hey, you can be on just as incredible adventure with God. It's not just for the man behind the pulpit. You know, let me just give you some stories of people. When we've done this in the past, I'm reminded of one lady who's gone into commercial real estate, and she was really struggling, virtually no clients. She came along Sunday night, I think it was, got anointed with oil. The next week, she made a couple of phone calls. One of the phone calls happened to be a very uh, wealthy businessman. And from that one call, she got 80 clients anointing for the marketplace. It's for you to excel. There's another story I heard of of a, of a man that was, um, of a lady actually, she, she would sell boats. I've never heard, found people that made and sold boats and uh, made, not that big boats. And she said the business was really struggling. This was in another church. We prayed for her, anointed her for the marketplace. Next time I saw her, she said, wow. She said, we suddenly got three orders for boats worth, I think, $120,000 or something like that. Just amazing. Anointing and everything just shifted. There's a shift. There's a shift. You can get a shift tonight. You can get a shift tonight. You can get a shift tonight if you want to. Shift from where you are to a greater place of effectiveness, anointing, and power. Another man came and testified to me. He said, oh, man, my, my architect, he said, I was, I was just really struggling. Business was floundering. He said, you anointed us. You prayed for us. He said, the next week, I got three brand new clients. Something shifted. Something moved. You see, when you get anointed, what happens is faith also comes into your heart. And you start thinking, wow, I am a full-time minister. Man, I am anointed of God. And then you begin to walk in it. See, you can't walk in what you don't believe. You can't walk as a full-time minister if you don't believe that you are one. So how did God view marketplace ministers in the Bible? Just watch this. This is so, so exciting. Let's take Joseph, all right? Do you know, for a start, that most of the men of God or women of God that we think are great champions of the Bible, do you know most of them are marketplace ministers? Joseph was a marketplace minister. Daniel was a marketplace minister. Moses, they say, was as well. Abraham. It just goes on and on. And we kind of think, man, these mighty men of God, we think they're all, you know, preachers and pastors and paupers. No, nothing of the kind. None of them were preachers. They were all out in the marketplace having a massive impact for God. So I'm starting to feel that there's actually greater anointing available out there. (laughs) Greater anointing available. So Joseph, watch this. So he's in Potiphar's house. I mean, this is not a church, except he has church in Potiphar's house. Joseph has church wherever God puts it. Listen to this. Genesis 39, 2, the Lord was with Joseph. In Potiphar's house, he was this, and he's a successful man. See, when you come under this anointing, you also get success with it. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, heathen, ungodly boss. Yet Joseph had church. Preached the gospel with his lifestyle. He preached the gospel with his success. Because part of her recognized God was with him. Then he goes into prison. <laughs> Why would you need anointing in prison, for goodness sake? Some of you probably feel you're at prison in your job. 
Genesis 39, 21 to 22. The Lord was with Joseph. This is in the prison. Showed him mercy. Gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And Daniel in the end gets promoted. Extraordinary. Having church in prison. Having church in Potiphar's house. And then there's Daniel. Chapter 1. Four men. And all matters of wisdom and understanding were ten times better than everyone else. Ten times better. Why? Full-time ministers who recognize they're anointed and called by God to excel. To excel. Way beyond their abilities. And I've said to you so many times, you know, it says they're ten times better. I, I reckon, <laughs> throw this out to you, I reckon I excel beyond my giftings probably ten times greater than what I'm actually capable of. Why? Because I've accepted my calling in God. Friend, you can function 10 times greater than your gift and your calling if you will dare to believe the Bible and what God says about you. Here's the question for you. How many of you reckon when you go to work tomorrow, the fact that you have God with you and in you and your friend next to you doesn't, that you have an advantage? Three of us think we do. You, how many, do, you, do you think you've got an advantage? God with you? Do you think it should make a difference? If, if it's not just a job to make money. If you see it as a ministry and calling, then God really is with you and he is going to help you in a very big way. See, God, the first reformation, well, 2 Corinthians 6 verse 1, we then as workers together with him, we're workers together with him. Invite God to be your partner in the workplace. (laughs) You know, I mean, God partners with me in all that I do. That's why we see what we see. God partners with me. But as much as he partners with me, he partners with you if you will walk in that calling as well in the, in the workplace. So when you go to work tomorrow, just think Jesus is coming with you as a partner. I tell you, things are going to change. Things are going to move. Things are going to shake. The first reparation, reformation was getting uh, the Bible back into the hands of the people. The second reformation is restoring ministry, anointing, and power to the people. I am a mis- on a mission. I'm on a mission to get the anointing from the pulpit to the pews and then to the marketplace. I'm on a mission to get the power from the pulpit into the pews and then into the marketplace. That's the mission that I am on. I'm I'm on a mission to get full-time ministry from the pulpit into the pews and into the marketplace. That way, we will change our world for Jesus Christ. See, God's preparing us for the next great revival, which will flourish in the marketplace. Imagine if the 98% of Christians in the marketplace all recognize our full-time ministers, the growth of Christianity would explode just rapidly. So today, my aim is to empower you in your vocation, increase your faith, to step into a whole new level of anointing, success, and influence for God. Your faith can grow exceedingly, and it will, because you're out where the needs are the greatest. We should pray as much for the presence of God, for our marketplace ministry, and what we do as as we do for what we do in a church setting. You should pray just as much. You guys should be praying for your ministry as much as I pray to preach on a Sunday morning. And I pray, believe me, I pray. That's why God can do stuff. If you will now do that, pray. Can I encourage you every, every day before you go to work, set aside maybe 20 minutes. Some of you drive to work into the city, into the CBD. You're stuck in gridlock for an hour plus. That is ordained of God. So you would pray for the city. 
He stuck you in that traffic. He says, come on, buddy, keep praying. When you pray enough, I'll get rid of the gridlock. (laughs) Use it. Come on, use it. Use it. It's one of the best things that can happen to you. I'm, I'm virtually never in my car if I'm not praying. It's just as soon as I get in my car, I just, I'm away I go. I pray. I'm not going to waste my time traveling 20 minutes to some destination when I can be transforming the city through prayer driving my car. When I get stuck in gridlock, sometimes I get annoyed. Other times I thank God. Use it to pray. Thanks, Steve. I really appreciate that. Amen. It's easy to think that you're just working for a heathen boss that you don't like and who doesn't pay you enough. No, no, you're working for Jesus. You better be thankful for your job. Otherwise, you're actually complaining to him. You're saying, Jesus, you don't know how to give me the right job. Excuse me, creator of the universe, where were you when he put the foundations of the world in place? As he said to Job, I always think that's hilarious. Job's questioning God, you know. He says, Job, do you know who you're talking to? God's put you where he wants you. If you take on what I'm saying, you probably start to enjoy it and be blessed. Don't put your focus on the money. Tell the person next to you, it's not about the money. Oh, dear, I got you there, didn't I? I got you all there. I built up this whole sermon just to get to that point. Right? Look, the whole place has come alive. Look, this is the bus is in the air. Just say money and it's, everyone's awake. It's not about the money. It's about bringing the kingdom. If you don't see this truth, you're going to live a very, very frustrated life. Very frustrated. Exodus 31, 2 to 6, watch this. <laughs> so I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, Gosh, they have funny names. The son of her and him. Well, it must have been two of them. <laughs> of the tribe of Judah. So I filled him with the... This guy is a, like a builder. All right? Craftsman. Now watch this. I'm filled him with the Spirit of God. I think... And even saying, why does a builder need the Spirit of God? What a waste. <laughs> Give it to me. But it doesn't stop there. I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding. Why would a craftsman need all this stuff? In knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Filled him with the Spirit for all this stuff. To design artistic works to be in gold, silver, and bronze. So you need anointing and the power of God, wisdom and understanding what to, to work as a craftsman. I've appointed with him a holy ab, and I've put wisdom in him as well, in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. God anointed these guys in the marketplace. Tremendous wisdom. And they did a fantastic job. Extremely well. God's gifted you and placed you in exactly the right job, the right home, where you can succeed, be blessed, and be an effective witness. Let me tell you about Barbara. I don't know the full story, but it goes something like this. Barbara was a judge. Worked in the courtrooms, and I think she was probably quite a good judge, and, and just got on with her business and, you know, did the cases and all the rest of it. Then one day, she got the revelation that she was a full-time minister and that the courtroom was like her church, and she was the pastor. 
So when she got that revelation, suddenly everything changed. She now started to pray. She said, God, help me. Help me. I'm just adding bits in here, right? Help me to do this well. Help me to be, be a good pastor of, of my church here in the judicial system and in the courtrooms. Well, once she did that, it wasn't long before another judge got saved. As soon as you accept your anointing and calling and start to pray, you watch. Things are going to start happening. So this judge gets saved. So these things, then, then the, the next step is water baptism. He needs to be water baptized. So she rings Church Unlimited and says, when is your next water baptism? No, she didn't. She water baptized him in the courtroom chambers. Why? Why, friends? That's her church. That's where she has church. Then he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't long before a number of judges were saved and courtroom workers, and together they're bringing the kingdom to the judicial system of where God had placed her. It started when she got the revelation and began to pray. See, the revelation alone is not enough. You've got to start to pray into this, that this is what God's called you to do for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon you. So I'm believing that tonight will be very significant in the history of our church. We've talked a lot about being full-time ministers, and slowly that truth has been getting through, and some have begun to walk in this calling and ministry and anointing. But I believe God is now ready to launch it to another level. Take this from being a great truth to actually a reality. Next time someone asks you, what's your job? Whether you're a worker or a volunteer or a mum, would you please tell them? I'm a full-time minister of the gospel. Would you tell them that? Would you start to believe that? In fact, tell the person next to you right now, I am a full-time minister of the gospel. Nice and loud, big loud voice, big loud voice. That is the truth. That is the truth. So tonight, many will receive a greater anointing to function in this role. With that will come greater skill, greater success, <laughs> maybe a salary increase. It's not about the money. <laughs> Plus a promotion could be there, but also huge fulfillment, and you'll help advance the kingdom of God. Come with great faith. Come with great expectation, saying, God, I'm taking this on in Jesus' name. Jesus spent most of his time meeting needs outside the four walls of the synagogue. Why don't you be like Jesus? Most of his time, outside the four walls, where the needs were. He was a marketplace minister. He really was. That's where the power flowed the strongest because the need was the greatest. That's where most of the miracles happened. Imagine the war between the secular and spiritual crumbling. Secular, marketplace, spiritual church. Imagine that wall crumbling right now. It's all church. It's all spiritual. It's all ministry. It's all the call of God. Imagine those in the marketplace ministering in the spirit as freely as church pastors. Think about being employed by God in the workplace as a full-time minister. In such a way that it causes you to seek him the same way as a pastor seeks God in doing his ministry. 
Seek him the same way. Best of all, it's my prayer that you'll no longer admire the pastor in the pulpit, the leader of the church, and wish you could be used by God in such a dynamic way. No longer think that way, but you yourself will step into a similar dynamic anointing and ministry of the Spirit for God. <laughs> Once the pigeon got outside the church, it could fly. It could do what it was created and born to do. Stuck inside the church, it really struggled. In fact, hurt itself. As you embrace your calling and full-time ministry outside the four walls of the church, in the workplace, you will experience greater power, greater anointing. Your faith will grow exceedingly. You will fly as you walk in what God created you for, and you will find great fulfillment and satisfaction. In Jesus' name.